Blog Talk Radio. that um, 
all four of the new coaching hires in the ACC are, are really well-respected guys, uh, you know, with some big names in there. I thought that, you know, maybe Virginia Tech, maybe Miami might be able to to get some of the a, a big name uh, maybe, but I think uh, they got even in – even did better than I expected. I mean, you know, Justin Fuente was probably the hottest uh, – non-Power 5 coach out there this year for what he's right. done, him and Tom Herman at Houston. It was it was really those two, which one was going to land a big-time job. And um, for Virginia Tech to land Justin Fuente, a young guy who's, who really built up the Memphis uh, program, I thought it was I thought it was a great hire, you know, and, and that they managed and his that they managed to keep Bud Foster on the staff was like his first recruiting win uh, so they keep that staff, and yeah, that was great <laughs> that he managed to keep that staff intact. Uh, and then you look at Miami, um, whose whose commitment to football had really been questioned over the last several years. You know, were they going to invest right. in facilities? Were they going to invest in big name coach? When Mark Rick became available at Georgia, you know, there were some rumors that Miami would 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 go after him, but you didn't really know. You know, would would Rick really go back to his, his alma mater and then they announce it and you're like, wow, they got a, you know, a really well-respected coach. I mean, I know it, at Georgia, he never quite got them over the hump, you know, as a, as a national, in the national championship game or as a, a national championship contender, but you know, his record speaks for itself. Um, he's, he's a great recruiter. He's, he's always ran a clean program at, at Georgia and you know now in Miami, you you kind of get the feeling that's going to kind of rejuvenate him because things had gotten a little bit stale at, at Georgia. He was still winning, but he wasn't big in, winning big enough. And right. I think it, w- it was a great hire, great hire for Miami. Then you look at the one, like you said, that was probably the biggest surprise because we've looked at what Virginia has been the last few years, thinking, okay, this is a program that. You know, it was great in their Olympic sports, great basketball, won the national championship in baseball, uh, but mm-hmm. really seemed to mismanage when it comes to football. And they go right. out and get Bronco Mendenhall from BYU, and that's a that's a team that everyone has a ton of respect for because of how physical they play. And even when they right. went to the national schedule, when they left the Mountain West, they were still winning eight, nine games a year, beating Power 5 teams. You know, running it down, teams like Texas beating Georgia Tech, beating you know teams all over the place, and that was a really big surprise. And that was also, a, you know, a really good hire I think for Virginia. He's I think he's a good fit there. He had a lot of time at BYU, proven winner, mm-hmm. and even Syracuse was really an under the radar hire. But getting you know the offensive mind, Dino. Babers out of Bowling Green who just won the MAC and he's been really successful there was a was a really good hire too. I, I think I give the yeah, ACC and those teams um, I give them an A. I give them an A A to A plus on the coaching hires. All, all good fits I think for each from them. I mean we'll see how they play out. You never know how these things will go, but on the surface it says a lot that that some of the middle of the pack ACC teams that have been in the middle for a while, you know, are really ready to try to take a step forward. Right. I agree. 
Now, let's, I want to touch upon each of those hires for a minute. I'm going to work backwards here. First of all, do you know, is it Babers or Babers? I pronounced it Babers. I hope that's not wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I, I will with you. I have you back on that one. Uh, the Babers hire, I, I think it was, it was to your point, it was under the radar. I, I watched the uh, MAC championship game because I heard that he was a coaching candidate for, like, several programs, the D1 programs. And um, – he comes from that same air raid, um, uh, what's, his, what's his name, the coach, Mike Leach style of offense. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he may have coached under him at one point. I'm not too sure. But nevertheless, it should help rejuvenate the offense to a, to, to a tilt because everywhere he's been, the, coach, the, the offense has scored lots of points, out of lots of yardage. And what was Syracuse's main Dane, uh, if you will, of their existence, offense, elector of. I mean, let's put it this way: the offense was offensive. <laughs> At any point, right, right. It was, it was one of the worst in the in the ACC and maybe the country. Right. I mean, it was just anemic at best. And then you have um, Broco Minhall hire. I did not see that coming. I, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, I I, I was on ESPN.com. And I was having to read, just skimming around some college football articles. I'm like, when I saw the news, the hell out, like, what? Really? Yeah. That, <laughs> they, they pulled that I, I mean, the other three, the the other three, you heard some some rumors about, and right. and when they came out, it wasn't. You might say, oh, that was a good hire, but you weren't shocked because you knew there was a chance. But Mendenhall, that yeah, that came that came out of completely nowhere. Dude, I mean, and, and check this out, though. I mean, I think that he'll do well because BYU has has, has stringent, uh, like, requirements, interest like, uh, requirements like, uh, academically as well as the, the moral code. Virginia is one of the top in, uh, uh, academic institutions in, uh, in the country. It's Ivy League-like in terms of the requirements right. that students have to have to get in. So I think that that will that that prepares him more to actually do his thing and recruit others in the Tidewater region and South and, and, and Hampton Roads, Virginia area, or you know he's used to recruit on a national level, so that will expand the recruiting scope by a lot as well. And then Mark Rick, I I heard that rumor, but I was like, nah, you know I figured it was such a pipe dream because when would Miami like? Start back investing in in, in 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 their football program again, you know, because people don't people tend to believe that Miami does not have a lot of money, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're a private school, they don't have a big alumni base. But not only do they have a lot of money, as evident by <laughs> them spending four million bucks a year on Rock Rick and promising to upgrade, like investing in his offensive staff, a lot of the money goes to the academic side. If you were to go tour the campus, you see where the money goes. It goes strictly to mm-hmm. academics. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now with, with, with Mark Rip back on the fold, with the promises of, and, and actually they are about to actually give more money for to bring him his own staff, that tide is starting to change once again. And I said it, and you probably thought it many times before, when Miami is good, not only is the ACC better for it, but college football is better for it. It's a lot like them in Notre Dame and SC and, and, and Michigan and Ohio State's in the world. When they're good, college football is good. And when Miami's good, 
the ACC is better for it. And then, last but not least, you have Justin Fuente, which, dude, when he was able to keep, uh, somehow convince Bud Foster to stay, I'm like, well, that's straight. <laughs> Virginia Tech is straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because nothing was wrong with the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball was terrible. And, you know, God bless Frank Beamer having to step down, doing the right thing, take one for the team, if you will, step down and allow someone to come in with a fresh approach to running things. But now it's the sky's the limit for Virginia Tech. I mean, they still, you know, the defense is still there. The defensive staff, from what I understand, is in, still fully intact. Once Justin Fuente brings the offense, gets the offense rolling, you're going to be looking at what the league would hope for for years. Virginia Tech and Miami being good from the Coastal, as well as Florida State and Clemson being good from the Atlantic. And that's that's great. <laughs> that's, that's just great for yeah. the ACC in general. So I'm just, I'm just happy as an ACC fan that they were able to pull that off finally and, and, and invest in college football for the change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the ACC Coastal, um, you know, it's been kind of maligned over the last few years. I mean, they've had some good single teams, individual teams. You know, North Carolina was good this year. Georgia Tech was really good last year. But, you know, the depth of the division was really in question. And now all of a sudden, every coach in the ACC Coastal has put together a team that's won at least 10 games at least once in the last three years, except for the pit coach, Pat Narduzzi, who just coached right. them to their best season in like six years since 2009 or 10, and had them right. contending, you know, for the Coastal Division title up until the last couple weeks. So every coach every coach in the ACC Coastal now is a, is a guy who's had success at least through one year, at some point in the last two or three years, I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, Paul Johnson, he struggled this year at Georgia Tech, but last year he's, he had an 11-win season. You know, David Cliff right. rebuilds Duke. Larry Fedora won 11 games. You know, these are the guys that were there, and then you throw in all these guys who are established winners, and and you're like, wow. You know, except for Babers, he's he's in the Atlantic. But you look at the, all the guys in the coastal, Mendenhall and Rick and um, um, Fuente, and you're like, wow, there's a quite a lot of coaching talent in the ACC now. Right. And, dude, I mean, to your point, just the coastal alone, Cutcliffe, Fedora, Fuente, Rick, Mendenhall, Johnson. I mean, I know I'm missing probably one to oh yeah, and then Arduzzi. That's a murderous role of coaching in terms of past successes, you know. And you know, in 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 throwing Babers in the coast, I mean, in the Atlantic, and you still have Sweeney and Fisher, albeit, but still, that 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 alone, and hopefully that will drive the profile, improve the profile of the ACC football, and I think it will. And I think it was sooner rather yeah. late because Rick, you know, Mark Rick's going to be very highly motivated, right? He's going to be motivated. Oh yeah, to you back to the winners, improve Georgia and the SEC critics wrong. I I feel that. I feel it coming. So, and plus, I, I, I feel like games, yeah, without um, without much of a coaching staff anyway. So I'm sorry. Go uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to add about Rick. I mean, 
you know, I don't know if he can bring a national title to Miami, if he can get them back to that level of their of their 1980s, 1990s, early 2000. Sure. He, he's going to make them he's going to make them a winner. They're going to be better under him. You know, they're going to be a consistent 9 or 10 game winner. I I expect at some point he's going to win a, a coastal division and probably an ACC title. And he's going to he's going to I think he's going to really bring a ring around that Miami-Dade County area where all that talent is. And I, I have a feeling he's going to just increase that talent base there at the University of Miami, and they're going to be better under him. I don't know what the ceiling is. I, I don't think he, he – you know, just because of what he was, did at Georgia, you know, I don't think he can quite get them all the way there. Because if you, you sure. know, Georgia – it was a place that he couldn't quite get over the hump either in 15 years he was there. And I, don't, I doubt that he can do that at Miami, but they're definitely going to be better. Like you said, when they're good, it's better for the ACC. They're going to be some high-profile Florida State-Miami games again. I'm, I'm positive Thank of that. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I almost, forgot, I almost forgot what they felt like. It's been so long. It's been, what, over 10, 15 yeah. years? <laughs> yeah, I think you know they had one a couple of years ago when they were both in the top ten, and, right. and just that one year where they could build up the hype. They had game day there; it was a huge game. But those those have been so few and far between since the 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 big glory days that if they could do that with any kind of consistency, that's that's great for the ACC. Right, as long as they keep the game in Charlotte, though. That'd be good. Uh, <laughs> so go oh yeah. <laughs> so, so who knows? But moving on to from from the from the coaching profile of the ACC to the college football playoff with Clemson. Um, you know, our 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 hopes came true. An ACC team is is represented in the college football playoff when many people thought that they wouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. but it took a thirteen of Clemson to to do so. But I can't help but wonder. Now, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but I think what if North Carolina, what if that call, that on, that offside call, were not called, and what if they're able to tie the game because they're on a huge momentum swing because Carolina could going like two seconds if they wanted to? <laughs> and um, what if they did upset Clemson? What if they made the college football? What, I mean, how would that affect the dynamics of the college football playoff? But first of all, were you amongst the many folks who thought that UNC got robbed on that call? Uh, you know, I, I, it, I think it was it was the wrong call, but I wouldn't say they got robbed from winning the game because sure. Clemson dominated the game. They dominated it statistically. They dominated it talent-wise. And my opinion on officiating, just nationwide, it's, it's not just an ACC thing. I mean, we it's saw in the Michigan – we saw it in – yeah, just in the Michigan State-Nebraska game – a bad call oh, there, you know, with the out-of-bounds uh, push-off, you know, nearly cost Michigan State a playoff spot. I mean, they right. end up losing to Nebraska on a bad call. So my my opinion, and when when, I, when it happened with the Duke and uh, Miami game, the end-of-the-game fiasco with that, is that officiating across the country is like a complete disaster. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's so bad. The replays don't seem to help it. And it just needs to be overhauled, you know, from the ground up. And and I think because the ACC has been in the middle of a couple of these high-profile controversies, 
I'd like to see the ACC take the lead on on overhauling, officiating, and and coming up with standards so these kind of things don't happen. But right, right now, when it comes to bad calls, um, if I'm a head coach, I go into a game expecting a couple of calls to go against my against me because that's just going to happen. It, it might happen. Right. I mean, they had a helmet-to-helmet on Deshaun Watson at the third quarter. You know, if that play doesn't happen, what happens? There was actually a helmet-to-helmet on the onside kick that wasn't called. If they throw the flag there, then North Carolina never gets a chance to re-kick. And then then you have a whole other controversy. So, so what if that would have happened if um, – Say that they don't make the call on the on the helmet to helmet that happened at the end of on the first onside kick. North Carolina kicks it again, recovers, wins the game. Then Clemson fans are saying they got robbed. So mm, good point. To, so to to me, it's just you go in, you go in and expecting some calls to go against you, and you just play through it because it's going right. to happen until hopefully. I'd love to see the whole officiating from top to bottom just have a complete overhaul because it's bad. It's bad across the country. And you'll see in bowl season when they have these different conferences with the, the bowl teams, oh, there'll, there'll be multiple missed calls everywhere. And the the, the uh, officials will be from the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the ACC. Right. Right. So it's not just one, right? <laughs> no, in, in my opinion – the ACC has had the, the two high-profile ones, but, you know, like I said, with the Nebraska-Michigan State, that was the end of a game. And, and you know, as you're watching games across the country, uh, bad calls get made everywhere. And I, I think it's it, it's a disservice to the players when there's that many bad calls being made across the country. I think the whole system's broken, in my opinion. Right, I agree with that. I think the bad officiating is like an epidemic that spread to the NFL as well. But that's another podcast for the day. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to mention that you know that bad officiating, you know, like you said, happened at the end of uh, the Green Bay Detroit game. There was no face mask, and Green Bay ends, wins the game. So, oh, God. you know, I know we were talking college, but it's it's even bad <laughs> in the NFL level at the moment too. It's an epidemic, dude. It's a freaking epidemic. I, all you could do yep. is sit back and just shake your head. That's so all you can do at the moment until hopefully a conference or a couple of, um, you know, commissioners <clears throat> put their heads together and say, we got to do something about this. we got to overhaul which plays can be reviewed, which ones can't. How right. are we going to review goal line plays? Because it, it's it's a, it's bad right now. It's a mess. Like you said, it's an epidemic across the country of bad officiating. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So I, I got a couple more things to ask you. We'll get you out of here. Um, do you, I'm just curious. A lot of people were saying that you and there was a chance that you you had a chance to possibly make the playoff if they upset Clemson. I'm tend to believe that the committee will still held the loss against South Carolina over their head. And I think that, you know, they would have given Stanford the nod over the uh, like over UNC. Uh, do you think that UNC would have had a shot, or do you think that uh, that 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 uh, that uh, Stanford would have gotten the uh, spot ahead of UNC, like most everybody else? I I think that North Carolina would have been in the. I think they would have had a shot, but I don't think they would have made it 
And, you know, if, if the score, because Stanford, they, they were pretty impressive in, in beating right. USC. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a close game. I, what I think would have happened was that UNC, I think, would have um, – it would have been between UNC and Stanford. I don't think Ohio State was in the picture because I don't no, think wasn't. the committee really wanted to get into, you know, all one loss teams and then have a team that not only did they not win their conference, they didn't even win their division. So I think it would have right. been between Stanford and North Carolina. And I, I think, I feel like they would have went with Stanford as well unless um, North Carolina had just maybe destroyed uh, Clemson you know, by three or four touchdowns. But if, if it had been like right. a one-core game, I, I feel like that Stanford would have been the choice. I think it would have been like when Ohio State made it last year when they jumped uh, TCU and Baylor, when they curb stopped mm-hmm. Wisconsin. It would have taken that type of curb stopping to get UNC uh, a, a good, serious look uh, to have a spot right. in the college football playoff. I definitely yeah. agree with you there. Um, I agree. So, I, I agree because that that loss to oh, I was just gonna say that loss to South Carolina was just it was they're a terrible team South Carolina, and I mean that was just a huge anchor, and and they they had those two FCS games. I mean I know it was the scheduling stuff, but that that was just a lot to overcome to for them to have ended up passing Stanford. Yeah, and I would say I tell Carolina fans this, so I tease them about this. I mean, you you have to be kicking. His, I mean, I, you know, Larry Fedora, God bless him, just kicks himself like to this day for like, 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 like leaving his brain at the door when his team entered the red zone like what three times, and for yeah, and absolutely. somehow forgot to give the ball to Elijah Hood, who was unstoppable in that game. I mean, that yeah, he's still having nightmares about that. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of the college football playoff, one one last thing to ask you. How do you think Clemson will fare in the college football playoff? A lot of people are giving Oklahoma a shot to really knock them off. And and, that, and people are giving Oklahoma, making Oklahoma a favorite to win it all, period, even as a four seed coming in. Uh, so how do you think, like, Clemson will do against Oklahoma? How do you like that matchup? Yeah, I mean, any, any of these four teams, I think, can can win the title. I think they're all really evenly matched. And and they're all four capable of winning it all. Um, I, I think when when it comes down to teams that are so close together, I'm going to go with the best player on the field. And and right now in 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 the playoffs, that's that's Deshaun Watson. He mm. you know even playing against Baker Mayfield um, from Oklahoma, who's a really good quarterback. Connor Cook at Michigan State, really good quarterback. Deshaun Watson is still the best quarterback in this field of four, and he's the guy that's going to touch the ball, you know, on every offensive play. Right now he's kind of got that that Cam Newton, Vince Young feel to him that he is mm-hmm. he's going to win. He's going to make sure Clemson wins the game no matter what's going on on the other side of the ball, no matter what's going on with his any of the other players on offense. I mean, he is right. in total control of what's happening to Clemson, whether – you know, just like in the ACC championship where the punter makes a, a horrible decision to try to run for a first down or, <laughs> you know, somebody turns it over, when he gets the ball in his hands, you feel like they're going to score or they're, something positive is going to happen. And I feel like that's what right now with Oklahoma, that's the edge that they have on Oklahoma. As good as, as, good as Mayfield is, 
Watson is a little bit better. And the time off for Clemson, you know, their front four on defense is, is as good as Oklahoma has seen all year. And right. the issue for Clemson's defense has been they've been wearing down late. And as the season progressed, you could see it. They'd be – they just be outstanding for like two quarters, two and a half quarters, and then that fourth quarter would come around, and you could just see the season as it progressed, that defense just wearing down. So I think they're going to really benefit from having the time off. And um, you know, I, I like Clemson's, I like Clemson's chances to beat Oklahoma. I, I really, I really do. I mean, it's certainly not going to be anything like last year. I mean, the forty to six win over Oklahoma in the bowl game, they might as well just throw that tape out because Oklahoma is a completely different team. Um, but And I think, as I said, they're really evenly matched uh, teams. But when they're that even, I'm going to go with the best player on the field, and, and, and that's Watson. But, of, of course, it wouldn't shock me to see Oklahoma win either because, uh, you know, that that, that close – you know, a turnover here, a turnover there, something like that. But I'm 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 feeling like Watson's the difference maker in this one. Right, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. So that'll be a great. That's a great matchup. I'm looking forward to all four college football games. I'm keeping my eye on Clemson. So that'll be great. Hey man, thanks a lot for joining me this evening, man. It was great as usual. And I know I sound like a broken record, but let's do it again soon. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Anytime I'll come back on. <laughs> All right, you got it. Thank, thank, uh, thanks a lot. Right. That's my man, Jeff Fan from um, All Things Discussion ACC, Sports Blog. Check him out there. Uh, check him out on Twitter as well. He's at uh, at Talking ACC Sports. That's T-A-L-K-I-N, ACC Sports. Uh, lots of good stuff he puts out there. I hope he's right about the Clemson matchup because I think that's a very scary matchup for Clemson. You got a high. I mean, they, Oklahoma reminds me a lot of UNC, except they are not as boneheaded as UNC in terms of like being cursed uh, with the football. And the quarterback is dynamic with Mayfield. So, and and you have to remember, you have to know that Oklahoma remembers what Clemson did in last year and the Russell Black Bowl. I mean, forty to six. I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't remember that? But we'll see. It's Exciting matchup nonetheless. So we'll check that out. But thank you for for tuning in. Thank you for listening. This is Scott Burks signing off with the clown out 06. Bye.